Welcome to the Hapag Lloyd podcast. Whether crossing the storm, love stories on the high seas, or strange inventions, as one of the leading shipping companies in the world, we have gone through a lot of adventures and want to share those amazing stories with you here on our podcast channel. Dive with us into the fascinating world of shipping. Great Bitter Lake, the longest voyage ever. The screams of fighter jets flying low over the desert are punctuated by artillery explosions. It is 1967, and there is a state of emergency in the Suez Canal. What would become known as the Six-Day War broke out in June between Israel and Egypt. Several scuttled ships are blocking both ends of the Suez Canal. At anchor in the Great Bitter Lake section of the canal are 14 vessels, including two German ones. The Münsterland, 9,365 GRT, of Hapag, and the Nordwind, of the shipping company Nordstern Reederei. At first, the shipping companies hope their ships will be able to get out soon. But the political situation only escalated. In 1972, what had become Hapag Lloyd finally brought the crew of the Münsterland back to Germany. The ship was tied up to the Nordwind and three other vessels anchored in the Great Bitter Sea in a group named the Muvinikis. A Norwegian company assumed responsibility for watching over and maintaining the five vessels. In 1974, the deadlocked front lines start to loosen and Americans started getting some ships out of the navigation channel. For Captain Helmut Rasch, this was the prelude to the most exciting assignment in his 45 years with Hapag Lloyd. I had just returned from the Caribbean on my first voyages as a freshly minted captain. That's when I got the assignment to take a 12-man team to make the Münsterland and the Nordwind seaworthy and bring them back, he recalls. I was issued two letters of command at once. With several engineers, a cook and a radio operator, Rash flew to Cairo in the late summer of 1974. From there, they traveled by land to the Great Bitter Sea. The team was shocked by the condition of the 157-meter-long and 19-meter-wide Münsterland. The Norwegians had kept goats and chickens on board, and storms had spread desert sand and dust throughout the ship, Raj says. But at least the dry desert air had prevented any rust formation. Although the Münsterland hadn't sailed at all for several years, the 72-year-old continues, the main engine was still in relatively good shape and only the seawater intakes were completely overgrown with algae, barnacles and mussels. The ship's hull didn't look any better beneath the waterline, where it was covered by a layer of overgrowth up to 8 centimeters thick. The engineers split up and started working on the two ships. The Münsterland was resupplied once a week with water, flour, vegetables, potatoes and eggs. And we did a lot of fishing, Raj says. In addition, the crews of all the stranded vessels, who came from eight different countries, helped each other out, exchanged schnapps for a meal, and collected each other's mail when one in their ranks was relieved from duty and flew home. You could get almost anything on the Great Bitter Sea for dollars, Raj says. Whiskey, beer, cigarettes and soft drinks were also welcome currencies, such as when the crews needed to keep the Egyptian guards on board happy or distracted. 
Getting fuel, however, was problematic, even with dollars. Captain Rash requested 150 tons of fuel after he arrived, but he ultimately only received a few 200-liter barrels. They were just enough to keep the refrigerator or oven running for a few hours a day, he says. The agent kept telling him he was working on it. And one day, the long-awaited barge with fuel actually did arrive, Raj says. It wasn't 150 tons, but at least it was 80, which was enough to let us take a few trial runs around the lake. Doing so was strictly forbidden, just like operating a radio. But I didn't want to wait until the day of my voyage home without a test, Raj explains. It took 12 hours to haul up the anchor due to the huge amounts of overgrowth on the steel chain. The thick growth on the hull would later slow down the voyage home, which started at daybreak on May 7, 1975. Instead of the possible 18 knots, we made a maximum of 10 knots, even at full speed, says Rush, who had never thought at the beginning of the assignment that it would take so long. In the end, the Münsterland and the Nordwind were the only two of the 14 vessels that were able to leave the Great Bitter Sea under their own power. Then, on May 24, 1975, the two ships sailed into the port of Hamburg, after eight years, three months and five days. This made the voyage of the Münsterland to Australia the longest voyage ever made by a cargo vessel. The reception in the port was huge, Raj says, recalling the countless onlookers along the banks of the Elbe River. The entire city was on its feet cheering for us. It was an unforgettable event.